0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. You're listening to episode 318 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Gina Verastro is a Brubius writer and proud graduate of Learn Academy. She is a tech support engineer at Sochi who specializes in taking the most optimistic view of every bug hunting situation. She blogs about code things at CodeCopyCoffee.com. Welcome to the show, Gina.
1: Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me. And hello, everyone listening from sunny San Diego.
0: We are thrilled to have you. So Gina, what is your developer origin story?
1: My first love has always been writing, so I knew I wanted to start a blog where I could just share entertaining, encouraging, happy content while doing what I enjoy. And I also knew I wanted a lot of control over how that blog was presented and to be able to make any changes I wanted at will without having to bother someone else to do it Um, and so when I started I had no idea what a rabbit hole coding would turn out to be or how much I would come to love development for itself as opposed to just being a vehicle for my blog. So um, up to that point I'd really fallen into careers that I wasn't super passionate about. But after joining my San Diego chapter of girls in tech and coding more and learning about coding boot camps in general, and then Learn Academy in particular, I realized I had an opportunity to turn my new hobby into a viable career. So that's what I did.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. So what is your specific experience with Ruby on Rails? It was the primary language that was taught at my coding bootcamp
1: and part of Learn Academy's program is a one month internship, which is really cool. So I used Rails in my internship at Zeal and I use PHP for work now because that's the stack that my company uses, but I still enjoy playing around with Ruby and personal projects.
0: What do you feel the the core difference in coding in PHP versus Ruby? Do you feel that they shared some common attributes whenever you got introduced to the PHP codebase,
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, like most coding languages, they share aspects uh, like loops and the logic system is pretty similar. I think the biggest difference for me personally was because I learned Ruby and Rails together pretty quickly. We generated an entire app and then learned the pieces when they were already presented for us. Whereas while learning PHP, I've been writing each file from scratch, whereas, you know, Rails will generate for you with commands in the terminal. So actually, doing the two languages and doing those two different tactics side by side really taught me a lot about both languages working on them in tandem
0: see that's really useful for me to hear because my partner actually writes php for a living and i have strictly told him that he is not allowed to learn ruby <laughs> 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 which is me just being silly because i know that he would genuinely find a lot of joy in ruby and likely already knows it but um it's good to know that there's a good transition between the two absolutely so what is a day in the life for you at sochi
1: so, typically we focus on bug tickets first. That's the highest priority in JIRA. And we mob all day. So, there's three of us on my team, which is the tech support team. And we'll start with bug tickets and work our way through those. If we get done with those, we're currently working on a data generator project for um, one of the test accounts. And that's been a really cool experience and definitely highlighted a lot of differences and similarities between PHP and Rails for me. Uh, Really, there's also a lot of interaction with other departments, of course, since we're tech support. So communication is a big part of the job as well, breaking down uh, what's going on with bugs for folks who have to then go talk to customers.
0: Now, are you considered tier one support where you're getting customer feedback directly about bugs? Are you getting uh, bugs from internal users? How does that all work? So
1: we're actually tier three on my team. And so users will report to tier one, it then gets escalated to tier two, which is a little more technical of a group, but still customer facing. And then my team isn't customer facing unless things are really Um, unless we really need to be able to explain something to the customer and bridge that knowledge gap for them.
0: So you're at the point where getting those really nitty gritty code issues instead of the user accidentally turning their computer off?
1: Right. I mean, we do get some user error, but it's typically uh, understandable user error, I would say. Like, if I was just a user, I could see myself making those same mistakes,
0: I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my first technical job as a developer was in tech support. I worked for a hosting company and I would live chat with uh, Rails users who were hosting their applications on our platform. The platform was called Ninefold. And I learned so much just from reading all of those errors and finding patterns. And I became so opinionated about how users would turn in feedback to me.
1: We definitely do have ways that we prefer the bug tickets to be written and certain information that is helpful to be included.
0: Well, let's talk about your session that you were going to do at RailsConf. This was your first conference talk, and unfortunately, RailsConf uh, was converted into virtual only. But uh, as a first-time conference speaker, I just want to give you a lot of kudos for taking on a technical topic as your first conference talk. I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb. So the title of it is called Error Messages Are Your Friends. Clear, constructive feedback is one of the most useful gifts we can receive. We seek it tirelessly in situations where it's denied to us that job interview we thought we aced the dreamy date that ghosted us but when presented in the form of an error message, many developers recoil they prefer to bang their heads against the same wall over and over again than read the errors this talk will explore the resistance new developers feel towards engaging with error messages provide tips for overcoming it and cover what to do when confronted by some common ruby errors i find this topic so fascinating and so i was excited to have you onto the show to discuss it thank you um I really appreciate this
1: opportunity to
0: talk about this. So I'd love to start off by asking you, what makes new developers reluctant to read error messages?
1: Um, I think there are a few factors at play. First of all, error messages can look pretty complicated when you first start to see them. There's words, there's symbols, the syntax is unfamiliar, and if you're just looking at this big block of strange, it can be pretty daunting to dive in and even find a point where you could anchor yourself it feels more comfortable to just turn back to your code, which is at least somewhat familiar, and try to figure out what went wrong there. I also think that uh, the thing about error messages is that they indicate you have a problem that you may not know how to solve. So especially when you're first starting out, maybe the issue is as simple as you forgot that end to close your function, But maybe you're already reaching in terms of what you're trying to build with your current level of knowledge, and when it comes to an error message, you're looking at a potential rabbit hole. It's kind of, in my mind, like being afraid to go to the doctor for something minor because you're afraid that they'll tell you it's worse than you thought. Uh, If you don't read the error message at all, you avoid being confronted by a potentially bigger problem than you feel equipped to solve. And finally, I think that when you're learning in a bootcamp setting, there's typically time pressure on what you're learning already, so you're cramming a ton of information into your brain in a very short period of time, and error messages are just piling onto that. They're not often in the curriculum as their own lesson, so rather than having that mental preparedness of, this is what I'm looking at next... They get shoehorned in. They come up when you're already frazzled or frustrated. And so it's tough to get into that headspace where you can patiently tackle something unfamiliar.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I want to make two points here. First of all, I have many friends that are driving around in cars with checkers on <laughs> because they are so terrified what's wrong when likely just one of their tires is low.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: secondly, um, I completely agree about boot camps not teaching about error messages. And I feel that as I've matured as a developer and I'm working on a new feature, that seeing error messages is just part of the process. It's very rare for me that I build a feature and it just flawlessly works on the first go.
1: Yes, absolutely. I've heard the same thing from a lot of people, actually, and I think a lot of new developers almost feel like it's a personal failure when they get an error message and it like it's telling them that they aren't good enough yet. But, you know, no matter how many years of experience you have, you're still going to get errors from time to time.
0: For sure. And we know, listeners, that in Ruby on Rails, the base error page is very red and looks yes. very threatening. So... <laughs> So maybe that could be a fun personal project to make very pretty error pages, though I do enjoy some gems out there. So Gina, what kind of tips do you have for overcoming error messages? So the first step,
1: I think, is to change the way that you view them. It's not a negative reflection on your code. It's not that you're a bad person or a bad developer. It's a gift from the Ruby gods when you get an error message. Working in QA, I can attest to the fact that it's better when something is broken and you get an error message than when something is broken and you get nothing. At least when you have an error message, you have some information and a starting point to go for the solve. Uh, Next, I would suggest getting familiar with the different components of Ruby error messages. So they'll all have a location, so you'll want to look for the word from, and to the right of that word, you'll see a file name and a line number. So that's immediately where you'll want to go in your code editor, because the problem is somewhere around there. They'll they'll also have a type. It'll usually be one word, pascal case, with the word error as the second piece, followed by a colon. So you might see name error, syntax error, etc. So that's going to narrow down what kind of error you're going to be searching for. And Ruby is nice enough to also usually give you a description, so the words that come after the colon in that Error type tell you a little bit more about the specific error of the type that you have. Once you've identified those parts, uh, for new folks especially, I suggest writing out the error message in plain speech. For example, I have a syntax error in filename.rb on line 10. There is an unexpected keyword of end. My program was expecting a closing curly brace. So make it feel more familiar than overwhelming by using plain language that you're used to hearing. This is for the debugging strategy that a lot of people have probably heard of called rubber ducking or rubber duck debugging, where you explain your code to whoever's present. to a I have squishy unicorns on my desk, so I use those. Um, but just talking it out in regular language tends to help your brain figure things out quicker.
0: I absolutely agree, and I actually keep a rubber deck on my desk at work just for that purpose. So, this is a little bit tongue in cheek, but isn't the point of error messages that you cut and copy them and paste them into Google to solve all your problems? You know, that totally can work.
1: um, But I think for your sanity's sake, it's better to know what to Google first. So, if you think about it like trying to remember the name of a song, if you know some of the lyrics and the artist and you can Google that, you're going to get to your answer a lot quicker than if you just
0: Google upbeat song by a female vocalist. That's such a fascinating point. I actually just heard in the news that a lot of song artists are going to start changing the title of their songs to be more SEO friendly. So that kind of really oh, that's fascinating, there. isn't it? Because people get stuck on one bit of a song and when they go into Spotify in order to search that song, they can't find it. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, we are going to take a quick break Today's sponsor is Datadog, a monitoring and analytics platform for cloud-scale infrastructure applications and logs. Datadog integrates seamlessly with more than 400 technologies, so you can track every layer of your complex microservice architecture all in one place. Distributed tracing for Ruby applications and APM provide end-to-end visibility into requests wherever they go across hosts, containers, and service boundaries. With rich dashboards, algorithmic alerts, and collaboration tools, Datadog provides your teams with the tools they need to quickly troubleshoot and optimize modern applications. See for yourself, start a 14 day free trial today and Datadog will even send you a free t-shirt. Visit datadom slash Ruby Rails podcast, link in the show notes. Thank you to Datadog for supporting the show. Back to you, Gina. So what are some of the common error messages that we can expect to see in the Rails community?
1: Syntax error is a big one, especially when you're first starting out. And honestly, syntax errors are pretty common in any coding language especially when you're learning. So uh, for me, when I was learning PHP, concatenating with periods was my biggest pitfall. I would always try and use a plus sign. So when you have a syntax error, I like to um, go through my code and count, first of all, Uh, adding one for every def I see and subtracting for each end. So I will say, uh, I'll come across a def and I'll say one open, the next level, two open. I'll come to an end, go back to one open. So when you get a syntax error looking uh, at the line that it gives you, but also around that, uh, always a good practice. Name errors are another big one. And this is usually followed by the words undefined local variable or undefined local method. And I find when I get these, it's usually not because I didn't actually define the variable, but because I made a typo. So if I define the variable sponge, but then I try and use the variable spong, that's when I'm getting a name error. Uh, No method error is another big one. So with those, I first make sure that I've actually defined the method I'm calling and haven't made a typo. And if you're seeing something like undefined method something for nil, nil class, that can be an indication that the object you're calling the method on is evaluating to nil. So double checking that you initialized an instance of the class that you're calling the method on and that everything you wrote in there is working as expected. And finally, action controller routing error is going to be a big one for a lot of new folks. And you can enter Rails routes, just those two words, into your console to give you a table of all your routes. And anytime I get a routing error, I like to start by comparing the URL in my browser to the path column in that table. And I also like using a split view in the code editor to trace my route through the controller, the routes file and into the view. And usually just by having those files next to each other, it helps my brain kind of see where I may have
0: written the wrong thing. That's such a good tip, because I actually just had a Rails route error today. I you know what, I immediately went and ran rake routes just to take a look. Well, I guess it would be Rails routes now just to take a look at the routes that I had. And of course, it was off by one word. So I am curious, how much responsibility do you think our code editors should have in terms of us finding errors? For me, I use RubyMine and VS Code, and they've been very helpful with their various plugins to help me detect syntax and name errors. Do you think that we should be dependent on those kinds of tools, or should we be able to code in a text file?
1: I think especially the syntax highlighting in code editors can be helpful. And I don't think that you have to force yourself to do more mental gymnastics than you need to. In an ideal world, we should be able to code just as well in Notepad as we would in something like Atom or VS Code. But I don't think that there's any problem in
0: using the tools available to us to write cleaner code. I love that. So speaking of errors, do you have an opinion on using rescue blocks in Ruby? I think it's generally pretty widely accepted that rescuing everything
1: isn't the best practice, and I would agree with that. Yes, it stinks when your program crashes, but also allowing your program to continue with generic error messages or missing pieces that will cause a problem later can be really frustrating to the user. So I think knowing what to rescue and when to use that comes with experience, and I'm personally still learning when the best scenarios to use rescue are.
0: I agree. So what are your thoughts on using Rails console versus Pry versus better errors and binding of caller? The console is always my first line of defense,
1: um, probably because I started coding JavaScript first. And now that I'm using PHP, using the console uh, goes across all of those different languages. So it's what I'm the most used to personally. Um, I first started using Pry in my internship, and I love the syntax highlighting because, as I mentioned a second ago, my brain just really responds well to the color coding. Like, even when I was in high school, I would color code all my notes. So that just really kind of clicks with my brain naturally. And I think an important part of coding and debugging is finding those tools and strategies that make life easier for you personally, however your brain works. I mean, of course, there's gonna be times that you need to use whatever tools your group, your job needs you to use, but embracing those familiar, comfortable, helpful tools when you can is awesome. And I've only dabbled a little bit with better errors, um, but I really support any tool that you enjoy using and that makes life easier for you.
0: That's great. So I think you're going to have an interesting take on this because you were brought into this developer world learning Ruby and JavaScript, (laughs) and now you write PHP. So what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Rails communities?
1: Um, Well, I think that there may be languages that are more widely used or more trendy, depending on whatever era you're looking at this question from. But the staying power of Ruby and Rails really For me, is in the community because there are so many people who love the language and support each other. And I attended my first RubyConf in November of last year, and everyone was so welcoming. I'm pretty shy usually in situations where I don't know anyone, and even I made friends quickly there. It was just such a special experience, and the Ruby community is such an amazing group of people, and I'm just really grateful to be part of it. I can't see it going anywhere but up with the people that it has. How can listeners follow you? As you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I write a blog at codecopycoffee.com. And I'm also codecopycoffee on Instagram, Twitter, and GitHub. I love that you are all
0: the same. I have not learned that lesson. I have a different handle on every single platform, but I am making an effort to combine them all together. There's nothing wrong with some variety. (laughs) I love that. I also wanted to mention too, that Gina is not giving her talk. Um, in the near future. But if any of the listeners are interested, definitely reach out to Gina, I will have all of her content show notes. Gina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about errors. I certainly learned a lot and we really enjoyed having you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor. And I love being able to connect with folks in the Ruby community. So this has been really special. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Cheers. (laughs)